to Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, y'all? This is Viva Fidel, International Revolutionary Radio. We ain't really got no time to waste today. No time for no intro. No time for no small talking. We are live, and we're not even going to take in no calls today. We have no time for no calls. We have no time for no games. Right now, you're about to witness something that's very powerful that's happening all across the world, hip-hop as a culture, hip-hop as a unification and an economic tool is being spread and taught and shared with students from a college level all the way down to elementary school level in universities and schools across the world. Like I said, today on Viva Fidel International Revolutionary Radio, we're exposing something very important that I'm a part of in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in collaboration with the University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and our guest, Professor Dr. Townsend. You online? Yes, I'm here. All right. So explain to my listeners a little bit about this assignment, this project, your class, and um, a little bit about the discussion we're going to be having today. Okay. Well, first and foremost, it would probably be beneficial for your listeners to understand a little bit more about the class that I teach, um, and like you said, as well as the assignment that I've asked my students to complete. So the class that I teach is called Black Reality, and it's um, an undergraduate course in the Ecology Department at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. And the objectives of the class surround understanding key structures of black society in a critical context. So basically what I mean by this is that we study um, the political economy, the educational system, criminal justice system, I could go on and on and on, but we also explore issues such as racism, sexism, colorism, and other inequalities as they pertain to black people. But um, a significant portion of the course is dedicated to understanding hip-hop culture and its relation to black reality. And a part of this is because my research interests personally involve understanding how hip-hop may be used as a tool to um, promote social change. So that's a little bit of background about the class. Um, but as far as this assignment is concerned, so the students, when I gave the students this assignment, they had been studying about hip-hop and its relations to black reality for about two weeks. And um, they're reading Bukhari Kitwana's The Hip-Hop Generation, which is an excellent book. Um, and it's also one of the required texts for the course. But they what, also is it called? Have, what is the book called? The Hip-Hop Generation by um, Bukhari Kitwana. Okay. Um, and they also read an article by the historian Derek Aldridge, which is called From Civil Rights to Hip-Hop toward a nexus of ideas. And this article focuses heavily on the relationship between the civil rights generation and the hip-hop generation, which I think is important because um, when you read texts that um, involve hip-hop studies and involve hip-hop, they usually describe this kind of rift between the civil rights movement and civil rights generation and the hip-hop generation. And he talks about how um, we can best um, unify both generations. So that's why I have them read that. So basically, after reading the background materials, the students are asked to listen to two songs by Viva Fidel. 
Um, the songs are Real Talk and War Going On. And then they're asked in a three-page reflection paper to relate the songs to what they've been reading as well as what we've, what we've been discussing throughout the semester. And so, again, we've been discussing racism and inequality and all those other things that I talked about. Um, but one of the other things that they are asked to do is they're also asked to submit questions that they would like to ask Fidel, which will be the substance of the interview today. But before we get to the questions, um, I think it might be beneficial for your listeners, Fidel, to listen to Real Talk to get kind of a background to what we will be talking about today. So, yeah, Real Talk. So you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me you are uh, literally connecting uh, Viva Fidel's healthy hip-hop music yes. to the bigger historic and cultural and political context in your college class right now. Viva Fidel is being related to black reality on a local level, on a national level, on a global level. Um, yes. So, yeah, to answer your question, yes. I think it's important, especially considering that, I mean, we know the realities of Milwaukee, how segregated Milwaukee is. Milwaukee is a very unique place, and I think that it's important for my students to hear somebody um, from who's local and um, whose message is very real and relates to what we've been talking to. So, yes, to answer in a short, yes, yes. All right, so we're going to go into the Real Talk song. Yes. This is one of the songs, and they also watch the video to this mm-hmm. song that can be found on YouTube.com slash TV. The Real Talk video is also uh, a visual representation of some of the things you've been talking about. So we're going to go right into the song right now. Listen up. It's called Real Talk by Viva Fidel. Right here. Revolutionary Radio. You know what I'm saying? Grab some of them old scribbles. Can't rehab this shit on Sometimes you got to resurrect that old stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because it's still new. It's forever. It's historical. It's legendary. The legacy that we represent. Let me talk a little bit about that. Speak to it. The legacy that was laid before our parents was made. They produce a new breed, establish a new creed to lead the ghetto youth into a new direction. Cause they passing plenty laws while the people ain't checking. Cause all this fear is spreading like the plague. Every day front page. It's a new charade, another terrorist escapade, the CIA orchestrate, lives lost, checkmate, it's a police state. Hip-hop is the last voice in the last days, and I'ma keep on saying it, cause nobody else is playing it. With all these distractions in European tradition, it's no wonder we under these up conditions, except your own and be yourself, said an old wise black man, we gotta start right there, our own attack plan, what y'all wanna hear about, material dreams, the things real people die to get, all they life they stress the pursuit of luxury, and never find happiness, that's nothing to me, I got a peace of mind, but at the same time, I shine like a king supposed to, and I hope you have the best for yourself and your kids, I write like I'm doing a bid, at night I'm flipping my lid, who wanna join the cypher, despite the curfew, and freestyle, I serve you, but I'd rather drop gems than battle you losers and all of your friends. I chant down devils that's actually living and controlling your thoughts. You got your up in the system. Got us filling up the prisons and poisoning our own children. They say don't point the finger. Look what we doing to ourselves. We need to 
help But does anybody hear our cries Or we all have to die Before we ask why It's freedom or death Out the front steps of your door It's a war against the poor for sure And we the grassroots gorillas Going to war against the genocide With the tools to spread the message And the skills to get inside The minds of the deaf, dumb and blind And the ability to climb to the epitome And speak to the potential of the little G's To me it's kind of simple Cause I see the enemy clear That's why I talk so serious When you lend me your ear And the clock is ticking I'm kicking it the most real Some that you can feel And utilize on the battlefield Yes, yes, right now you are tuned in to Viva Fidel Revolutionary Radio on blogtalkradio.com where we are exposing real-life revolution in action, meaning constructive change right in the community, right where it counts. On the line, we have a special guest, Professor Townsend from University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and we're going to deal with um, the Black Realities class. And I want to tell you that I'm honored and I really appreciate what you're doing over there. Well, I appreciate you having me, and I felt that it was important for your listeners to hear Real Talk because, personally, um, I think that the song embodies a sense of black reality, and it's probably the video, the fact that there was a video to go along with that song really touched my students, and it's important to me. So hopefully that gives your listeners a little bit of context to some of the questions that my students are going to be asking you. Okay. So um, I guess I'm going to kind of take over now, if you don't mind. Um, but I have several questions for you. As I mentioned, um, a part of this assignment was that the students connect um, the lyrics and the content um, of your music to what they've been studying throughout the semester. So um, I've got several questions for you. And um, since there are almost 50 students in my class, it is impossible for me to ask all of the questions that my students have posed for you. Um, but I've picked questions that I'm hoping will spark some answers that may address some of the other issues and questions asked by some of my other students. Gotcha. So at this, like going forward, I'm going to be reading the questions verbatim. So speak honestly, um, as honest as possible, and I'm going to kind of ask the questions from here. So are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready, and um, right. like I said, I really appreciate uh, what you're doing on a, on, a, on a bigger level. It's very, very important what you're doing. I'm glad to be a part of well, it. Well, so. I think it is, too, and to sidetrack a little bit, I think, um, again, as I mentioned, from a research perspective, hip-hop is something that's very important to me because I think that in this day and age, it's the most powerful tool that we have for social change and revolution. So um, I appreciate um, the opportunity that you're giving to me to I'll play some music in the Uh, background. Let's go. Okay. With that being said, first question. What is your definition of black reality? Everyone truly has a different answer for this question, especially based off of our discussion about it in this class. And I would be interested to see what you have to say. Well, my personal, I guess, definition for black reality is not really a personal definition. Like, my my take on what that on what those two words mean um i guess would have to do with all of those different definitions that exist um really since the beginning of time black reality is the essence of the beginning of all reality so that's the way i look at it so it could encompass and embody probably a lot of different perceptions uh, or angles that a lot of my people might have but 
ultimately that's just a, a statement to say the original that's the statement to say the beginning that's a foundation that's a basis for other things um that we have to be realistic about and, and, and it starts with a black reality that's because humanity started with a black reality and i think that that's a critical part of our current reality that, that a lot of things um don't really get kind of traced back to the origin or to the root or to the beginning or to that blackness okay now i'm gonna like interject my own thoughts into this so all right so you kind of say that black reality has its origins and the kind of origins of blackness if i'm quoting you right or hearing you right but the name of the course is Black Reality, a survey of African American society. How do you see that how do you see black reality fitting into the contemporary context of American society? And do you do see I... black reality being something different from white or American reality? Because I think yeah. that the terms black, white and American are all very different. And that's a different show. But right. um, you know, what are your thoughts about that? Well, that's what I meant when I said the black reality, those two words represent for me a foundation of reality. Okay. So so so, so that encompasses everything in our in our current um American societal point of view, but then also uh, on a world view level, the, the 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 essence of what is actually being surveyed and what is being taught from a, mm-hmm. a African American perspective can mm-hmm. still be traced back to the beginning or, or to the foundation of of America, of the foundation of um, civilization, of the foundation of a lot of different things. So um, I think that really identifying that black reality as the foundation to everything else will actually, you know, bring it all together in, in order for some sort of uh, balance to be able to take place. You know what I mean? Because a lot of the, yeah. a lot of, a lot of different realities um, exist, and I'm sure you, you you speak to a lot of different realities, and you mm-hmm. teach people from a lot of different backgrounds yeah. and so you know if a lot of if, if the majority of our foundational knowledge our our technology our arts our culture everything is is ultimately rooted in a black foundation and that's really kind of undisputable uh, i think that'll yeah. help uh, that'll help with other people's you know reality and uh, for them to be able to deal with their own reality and then to be able to deal with that african slash African-American reality, you know, I think that's a that's a foundational sort of key to all reality. Right. All right, I'm going to interject my own question in here now, too, because you kind of evoked that in me. Um, now, when we think about black and white, and obviously we live in a society that is comprised of more than black and white, but if we think about American history in a historical context, it's very black and white terms of race um but what do you think about the concept and this is my question what do you think about the concept of the the term american are black people truly americans and the reason why i'm asking you this is because at the beginning of the semester we had a long discussion about what it means to be american and we watched an excerpt from an excellent documentary called the color of fear um which i would recommend any of your listeners try and 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 watch because it's very powerful. Called the color of fear. It's called the color of fear. It's directed by Lee Moon Wah. 
Um, but it exposes the reality of race, and it's the, the context of the documentary is a bunch of men from different ethnicities talking about their experiences with race. But one of the main points of the documentary is that American means that, that when we hear the word American, it essentially means white. White and American are essentially synonyms. So when you think about black reality and you think about the word American, do you think that black people are truly Americans? This is Fidel's um, uh, okay. answers to these questions. You okay, me right. Some real questions, and I just want to, you know, this is my, these are my uh, answers to your questions. Right. <laughs> I I don't look at American as being synonymous with like white at all. Um, mm. I look I look at America with being synonymous with the rest of the earth, <laughs> and the rest of the earth um, don't belong to nobody like that per se. You know what I'm saying? And so I don't okay. I don't look at it I don't look at it any different. I understand what the connotation is, um, when people think of American and, and it's synonymous with white male predominantly, mostly right. um and pre, pre, and 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 it should be as well stated that it's synonymous with white supremacy and racism. Yes. If if we're gonna say it's synonymous with white people, then let's say for real, it's only synonymous with white people because it's synonymous with racism and white supremacy. Right. So right. um I don't but I don't look at it like that at all. I, that's a big illusion. In my um, oh. where I'm at, that's a big illusion, and I don't I don't look at it like this is their land or like you know that they have any type of birthright. So you think you're Amer- you think you're an American? I'm sure I'm an American. You know what I'm saying? The black reality is the foundation of everything. I don't I, right? I can claim American. I can claim Asian. I can claim it all. The earth is my turf, and we okay. we, we we traveled the earth and we discovered the earth and. Yes, and navigated America, you know, long before white people, long before slavery, long before yeah. all of that. So I think yeah. if people, you know, dig a little deep, a little deeper into the history, you know, of America and before America and so on and so forth. I mean, I think a lot of the delusions about white supremacy will will start to, you know, evaporate because that's a problem. Most times people just don't look past that illusion that's put out there because of the politics of people. I feel you, Fidel, but do you think that in this, in contemporary society, black Americans have the same rights without coercion, without, you know, talking about policies and, you know, things like affirmative action? Do you think that whites and blacks have equal access to American society as Americans? Yes or no? Not really, no. Okay. All right. But I understand what you're saying. We don't have equal access or we don't have um, equal justice. Exactly. And don't you think that that's what it means to be American? Not necessarily. necessarily. That's more so so on an outer um, circumstantial level. You know what I'm saying, and I, I don't think okay. that uh, I don't think that no people or no person should just be like a victim of circumstance to the point where they say, okay. well, because of these circumstances, I define myself like so on and so forth. I, you know, that's that's kind of uh, an illusion as well. Oh, it's always an illusion. So we're all American. Um, you know, you could take it further. You know what I'm saying? We you could say we are <laughs> African. Yeah. Okay. If we are African, all right. then you know then. <laughs> Let's start with the black reality of it. Okay. 
All right. I, I totally agree with you, but that's that's another show. That's a All great right. debate because that's a great debate. It is a great because, debate. <laughs> because a lot of people have um you know, a lot of deep feelings about um what it means to be an American and, and, and sort of uh-huh. like claiming claiming that landhood or that homeland. I mean, yes. that's a very real thing. Yes, and again, I'm going to reiterate the name of the documentary to your listeners because it's powerful, and I think that every person who is interested in race, race relations needs to hear it. The name of the documentary is The Color of Fear, and it's directed Bye. by Lee Munois. Okay. Okay, so I'll just say that. So I'm going to get on to the second question, um, and it's what is your definition of hip-hop? And I'm going to give you a little bit of context for this question um, I've asked my my students to study definitions of hip-hop from various people like Africa Bobada, DJ Cool Hurt, JVD, other people who are instrumental in the, um, in the development of hip-hop, but also the contemporary context of hip-hop. So basically, in that context, what is your definition of hip-hop? Well, my definition of hip-hop is... It changes, um, okay. and you know it, it it evolves and it grows and it changes. And I don't really know if I have one definition of what hip hop is, but you know sometimes I'm in a position where I have to kind of um, identify myself as an ambassador or a representative right. of that voice or of that culture. So what I do is. Um, kind of explain hip-hop in a way of a natural phenomenon like um, language, like speaking, like dancing. Um, it's something that's very natural. It's something that's just a part of who we are rhythmically, and it's just a continuation of the expressions and of the spiritual expressions that we've always shared and the stories and the lessons that we've always shared since the beginning of time. And so, you know, I, it changes, you know. But I heard a um uh, acronym that was really um, relevant and it was basic and it, and it applies across the board and, and it was by one of the ambassadors of the culture, Karis, once said mm-hmm. in a song, it's her infinite power helping oppressed people. Yeah. And I said, wow, well, that's hip-hop. There you have it. So if anybody needs a definition, they can surely take it from the teacher, Karis, one. Her infinite power helping oppressed people. Okay. So I, I'll quote the brother. Okay, so, and now I, the reason why I'm going to point this out is is kind of the foundation for the question. So, you think that there is an inherent link between hip hop and oppressed people? Do I think there is an inherent yes. link with hip hop and what? And an, an innate, an inherent link between hip hop and oppressed people. Now, as somebody who has studied the history of hip hop, I would say yes. But if we look at contemporary context of hip-hop, I would question that, but I'm just wondering, and I want you to state your claim right now before I ask you some of the other questions. Ask, uh, um, restate that question again. <laughs> okay. Hip-hop in oppressed people, is there in like, like an inherent or innate link between hip-hop, what hip-hop is, and oppressed people? Well, that, that, that goes that right back. To, that goes right back to my question. I mean, my answer to the previous question. Okay. Um, we we actually are just carrying on the tradition of okay. um, speaking for the oppressed and speaking for the voiceless. That's all 
all hip hop is is just a continuation of the tradition of um, being able to speak for and speak to the oppressed. Absolutely. All right. All right. Next question. Now, before I had my students do this assignment, I gave them some background information about Riva Fidel and about the things that you've done in the community because I think it's very important. I could have given them some conscious lyrics by, you know, Common or Dead Prez or someone like that, but I thought that it was very important for them to hear somebody local and hear somebody who that they who they could relate to um, from a local context. So. Um, something that came up in many of the questions was your um, definition of healthy hip-hop because what you claim to promote is healthy hip-hop, which I agree with. So many of the students want to know um, what exactly is your definition of healthy hip-hop and what does that entail? Well, that's also very simple. You know how you go to the grocery store and it's a health food section? You know you go to the grocery store and it's a... Um, a uh, organic section. You understand? Um, we go, we go, um, we go to different places based on our appetite, based on our diet. Um, sometimes we crave, you know, chocolate. Sometimes we are um, in need of some warm, hot green tea or something. It's based on a choice. It's based on the fact that we know what's good for us and we know what's not good for us. We know what's toxic for us. We know when we eat something physically that's bad for us. We know the effects that it will have long-term, short-term, or you need something and your stomach going to hurt, you know, or, or you know that already. So healthy hip-hop is just another choice. You got crunk hip-hop. You got uh, snap hip-hop. You got some of everything on the market. Hip-hop is a phenomenal, phenomenal cultural expression to the point where you have, um, and you're going to have more and more high speed. You're going to have more and more yeah. uh, Christian rap. You're going to have, you're going to have so many different kind of genres of what this expression represents. Um, just based on the root of it. And healthy hip-hop for me is just something that I want to be able to categorize what I do based on the fact when somebody walk into that arena or when they walk into that, that realm of, okay, what am I going to intake or what am I going to eat today? Um, whether, whether they choose something that's not healthy or some, something that's healthy, that's on them. But I just want to be able to provide, provide, provide what's healthy. I think, I think, um, you know, on an overall level, people are becoming more health conscious. People are becoming more holistically health conscious, meaning that everything that's around them or everything that they intake affects them mentally, emotionally, physically, so on and so forth. So healthy hip-hop is just, you know, it's, it's, it's body armor. It's mental armor. It's, it's something that people can really intake and digest day-to-day and, 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 and help it, let, let it help them to, you know, fortify their they, they mind, body, and their soul, be able to get out here and do what they got to do in the world. Okay. Now, I've got to challenge you a little bit. Um, now, I totally agree with everything that you're saying, but I think that, and I love your analogy between, like, you know, the organic section and everything else, but I think that there's, you know, we could provide a class analysis for why some of us are eating organic and healthy, and some of us are eating um, garbage. And so in the context of healthy hip-hop, what is your what is your take on who has access to this healthy hip-hop and who doesn't and what that means? Does well, that make sense? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really 
I don't I don't really um I don't really know because the 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 big part about it is, like I said, it's a matter of choice. And we, we all have access to what's healthy and what's good for us. Most of us have just been taught that the wrong things are right. We've been taught that the unhealthy things are healthy or that that, that death is life, basically, and that so down is, that is up. Is that simple, though? Say Is that simple, though? It's, I mean, if you don't know that there's well, a choice. Well, let me explain. Let me explain. Let me explain. And the way and the way that I put it to my listeners and my peers and to the youth is uh, a simple um, cause and effect type of thing. We've all been we've all been witnessing long enough the results and the consequences and the effects of an unhealthy state of mind or an unhealthy community yeah. and, and all and all of that means. And now the topic and the conversation of the day is this unhealthy hip hop, this 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 unhealthy rap music that happens to be influential uh, to the point where our kids don't listen to their teachers or their preachers yeah. or their parents. They listen in their hip-hop. And so yeah. they know they know the um, the choice that hip-hop presents. And now okay. you've got every realm of hip-hop represented uh, in the current state of hip-hop right now. If you want conscious, healthy, political hip-hop, it's out there, forefront, number one top-selling artist is there. It's not hard to find. If you want club hip hop, that's just you know party music. It's right there, number two, number three on the charts. If you got, if you're looking for you know some 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 other kind of, I mean, it's all there. If you want the little kid rap, it's all there now. If you want the the you know, I don't want to single nobody out, but you know, you got all kind of different uh, uh, messages being taught in the mainstream and in popular hip hop today on the radio, on the videos, everything. Kanye or Common is just as big as 50 or a little soldier boy. It's real. The access is there. The, the choice is there. It's just up, up to us to decide when we had enough and when we're ready to choose something better for our babies, most importantly. Okay. I might probe you a little bit more on that, but I'm going to get to the next question. Okay. So, Word. next question. I want to give a shout out right quick to Big Stoop and Divine. Life Allah checking in on the chat room was going down. We might take a call or two later on, so just hold tight with us. Keep going. Okay. All right. So next question. The early days of hip-hop focused on drawing attention to what was occurring in African-American urban settings, very much like your own songs. In recent years, hip-hop, as well as the rest of the music industry, has moved towards a highly sexualized lyrics, like 50 Cent's Candy Shop, for example, what do you think of this change, and do you think it further strains relations between the civil rights movement generation and the hip-hop generation, as well as the use of hip-hop to promote social change? Which I think. Well, I would just, question. I would just, I would just ask that uh, student to, you know, dig a little deeper into the history of hip-hop, dig a little deeper into the origins of hip-hop. Everything that we have in hip-hop has always been there. It's always been. There. But you know what, Fidel. I gotta stop you for a minute. We have to think about who controls the music, don't we? What and what aspect? Not. Who controls what we hear on the radio? Who controls what we hear in the videos or what we see in the videos? And I know why you're saying what you're saying, but but do you think that the highly sexualized nature of hip hop, which I don't think has been as predominant in quote-unquote old-school hip-hop, which it certainly has been there, but not to the extent that it has been marketed 
and promoted as black culture. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. So so what, what are you asking? So the question is, what do you think of this change from, like, the early days of hip-hop as being something more socially conscious and more of a reaction to social conditions to something as something just sexual in nature? And the second question that we're going to get to in this context is going to kind of um, – uh, expound on this question, but what do you feel, like, how do you think that the highly sexualized nature of hip-hop in this day and age, how do you think it strains relations between those who are part of the civil rights movement generation and the hip-hop generation? In addition, as those who see, like myself, as the, the use of hip-hop to promote social change. And I'm going to back up a little bit because one of the readings that my students read talked about the fact that the, the, the relation between the, the civil rights movement generation and the hip-hop generation has been strained because of various factors. And, again, that's, in the, that's another show. But how do you think this highly sexualized nature of hip-hop has strained those relations, and what does it mean in the context of us, somebody like me who is attempting to legitimately promote hip-hop as a tool for social change. Okay. I think I get the gist of what you're asking. And (laughs) myself personally, I would be very careful with assuming that um, this hip-hop nowadays on this this global scale, the way it's being marketed and promoted, is um, one, uh, any higher in sexuality than the music that was in existence during the civil rights period. I wouldn't make okay. that assumption because we could probably go back and compare song for song. We might have a little bit different delivery, but we got a lot of the same content when it comes down with sexuality. I wouldn't get okay. involved with the tech, the technical presentation about how hip-hop is being marketed and promoted because I would uh, uh, strongly suggest that any of the people that have a desire to utilize hip-hop or to help spread hip-hop um, like yourself on an educational basis, informational basis, and also an awareness level, I would utilize um, the the idea that hip-hop has actually helped us um, in a lot of ways where, you know, we wouldn't have been helped otherwise. And I think that the divide from the civil rights generation and the hip-hop generation, quote-unquote, I don't think it has anything to do with the sexual content of the music or the over-sexual content in the music. I think that's a factor more so because, you know, it's all on the TV now. But we don't control those images. Hip-hop doesn't necessarily have the power to say which images and which uh, portrayals of our women or of our sexuality or of our families or our relationships that's not controlled by us. And if anybody who is yeah. interested in sharing hip-hop and communicating what this really is and how it relates to the civil rights era and the era before hip-hop was born, I think that it's very important to, to, to uncover who's in control of all of this. And then you'll be able to see that the same people who's in control of breaking down the power and the messages in our music is the same people who's in control of breaking down the civil rights era. So it's it's... It's totally related. It's totally one. And you have to realize that the feds 
knew and they know the power of our unity. Our unity was represented during the black power movement and the black freedom struggle in a different way. Hip-hop is the same representation to the enemy. They look at our unity as our unity, period. And yeah. and and their job, their duty, is to find ways to break that down by any means necessary. And so hip-hop is no different. I would ask that uh, us who are interested in making that connection and being able to kind of close that gap, that we do some uncovering and figure out where these things come from and then figure out what's also beneath the surface. Because, you know, it's a lot of over-sexual hip-hop. But like I said, we have so many genres of what hip-hop is. Um, If we turn on MTV or if we turn on the TV, we're going to get over-sexualized. It don't matter. You don't have to turn on a video channel. You don't have to turn on Rap City. You're going to get over-sexualized watching Good Morning America practically. Yeah. And so that's that's, that's not something that's exclusive to hip-hop. We shouldn't get caught up in the... um, uh, I don't know. I guess I guess I don't get caught up in in, in the um, in the differences of of what is compared um, based on the degree of attack that we under. Like we under attack now um, on on a mental level, and our kids are under attack and being attacked and being directly attacked on a mental level um, using rap music. And so you're absolutely right. But if we if we able to break some of these things down before rap music, and if we're able to break some of these things down based on the, the, the cause and the effect, then we'll see that it's no great divide. We're under the same attack. We're dealing with the same thing. The the, the, the divide came um, from where I stand. The, the divide came, um, you know, after uh, a certain amount of assimilation um, on behalf of our parents, our foreparents. Um, we didn't get taught the civil rights struggle. We didn't get to the black freedom school of thought that died that didn't that stopped happening until hip-hop came when hip-hop came that came back alive but in between that little gap the whole movement was hushed and it was not taught and it was not shared and was not passed down in our families so that's where the divide happened if 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 you know that's part of the divide from where i'm standing but um I think it was just as sexual then. You had some pure players on the mic back then that was getting panties wet. You understand? Yeah. They just wasn't saying it how we say it. They wasn't uh, speaking it how we speaking it. And we never ended the movement that was going on back then. We never ended it. We just happened to be able to take it to another level. Well, I think that taking it to another level is an important thing because, Justin, I'm not going to dispute with you that hip-hop wasn't as sexual back then, or music, even during the 70s, period, R&B music, whatever the case may be, wasn't more sexual, because I might argue that it was more sexual. But the technology, the video, um, the way in which hip-hop has has reached um, kind of a different a different level in terms of, of Exposure and, and extremism. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's so, American culture. That's where we're at right now. Right. That's where we're at right exactly. now. Exactly. And that is one of the things that I want to caution people is that so often. Yeah, start with hip hop, though. Hip hop yeah. learned that from our environment. We learned that from America. I'm glad that's a value system that. in America. It's oversexual. It's sexist. Yeah. And also, it's violent. And yeah. and and we, we I'm not saying that as an excuse at all. I'm saying that's the real no. cause and effect. 
And that's what I want to reiterate to my students, too, who will all be listening to this as a part of their assignment. But, but that hip-hop is a reaction to American culture and pop culture in that. Amer- and hip-hop is a response to a sexist, racist, patriarchal society in which we live. And so we we're can't just not blame a reflection or response. We're just not a reflection or response. Just some parts of what gets examined in hip-hop usually is the direct response and the direct reflection of sexism, racism, and white supremacy. How are we socialized? We are socialized into a sexist, racist, patriarchal world. Right. Most of us. Now, I'm not talking about those of us who may be more conscious to the realities, but most of us are are socialized into that world, and so, and and it has nothing to do with hip hop. But hip hop often it hip hop is a product. Some hip hop, I'll say some, hip hop is a product of the society in which we live. Do you agree? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a half and half thing. Okay. I think some of it is a product of the society in which we want to live. Some of it comes from a place where, yeah. Some of it comes from a place where, um, an, an escapism, a place where okay. it's, it's, it's totally different from our reality. A lot of us aren't reflecting or um, um, basically responding to America. We speak in from the original point of view, the basically okay. the black reality point of view. Basically saying we're not victims of this circumstance. We're not basically subjugated by what America is and who America is. We something else. When we happen to be uh, estranged in the wilderness of America, but we ain't necessarily uh, partaking or we ain't necessarily got to be the poster child for what America is. Hip-hop has become some of that because, like I said, we don't, uh, because other people control hip-hop, because the people Uh that are promoting and sort of marketing the music that's pushed to the masses, um, and if you notice, you know, it's a lot of the same sort of recycled songs, images, and messages, and that's not by accident. And so that's why when people talk about hip-hop or when some of your students are referencing hip-hop, what they reference is the only thing that they've been shown by the same people who don't want to educate them, have no interest in uh, uplifting any culture or sharing any sort of uh, liberating information or, or any sort of self-healing t- type of information. Mm-hmm. It's all uh, uh, pushed to keep our our people sort of in a stagnant position. And, you know, so we'll go back and forth and we'll debate about stuff that essentially don't even matter You're next to hip-hop, next to the power of hip-hop. But, you know, we're dealing as victims of circumstance. A lot of us are so circumstantial that we just we just deal with things based on that response and that reflection and not based on the essence of who we are and what we're supposed to be here doing. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. That brings me to the next question, which is actually quite provocative to me. Um, but the student who submitted this question I need to warn you that she did so with some caution, but I think it's an excellent question considering the way in which we've been conceptualizing or maybe even reconceptualizing hip-hop as a tool for social change. And in that context, the way in which you promote your own music is healthy hip-hop. And so with that all being said, I'm going to read the entire caveat to the question as well as the question that this student added. 
So she All had right. three questions, but she added this question kind of as a fourth question, which was kind of bothering her as she did a little bit more research on taste MCs and, and the idea of how they have up. So I'm going to read the entire text she wrote. Okay. And she writes, um, I'm adding this question, although it relates more to image than content, and does not fit the question guidelines provided. I only intend this question as an observation, and it may not be appropriate to ask in this forum. I leave it to your discretion if you would like to include it in this lecture. Kitwana, and again, I told you that they're reading Bakari Kitwana's The Hip-Hop Generation. Right. Kitwana states, just as problematic as hip-hop's growing tendency to cross over into the, to the adult XXX um, world, blurs the lines between pornography and hip-hop, not only is hip-hop a major force in the lives of hip-hop generationers as the older end, at the older end, end of the spectrum, but it also heavily impacts those at the younger end of the spectrum, some of whom are just approaching their teenage years. My question is regarding the QOP, the Queens of Paradise, quote-unquote networking event. After viewing some of the photos of past parties and the poster for the next upcoming event, it seems to cross the line into the triple X world. Also, when you go to Taste MCs and the Viva Fidel MySpace pages, Queens of Paradise seem to be a part of what you do. Does this send an unhealthy message, particularly to a young, impressionable mind in Milwaukee hip-hop culture? What are your thoughts on this? Um, basically, she was asking, was that a she? Yep. Or he, or they, they were asking. It was a um, she. Okay, she was asking um, how the Queens of Paradise, our female promotional model team, fit into the healthy hip hop. Yeah. Um, in essence, okay. Um, that's one thing that uh, I'm glad that it was brought up because um, it, it gets brought up all the time, and I, and I, I appreciate it. I. I want everybody to check out QOPmodels.com. QOP Models stands for Queens of Paradise. And it's, it's just what it says. It's a Queens of Paradise. It's a, it's a female modeling team that is a promotional arm of Guerrilla Promotions International, GPIVision.com. Check that out. That's our multimedia one-stop promotion and marketing stop uh, shop. And the Queens of Paradise don't necessarily um, – take away from uh, healthy hip-hop at all. They yeah, promote it. So. They, they actually promote it, and they actually spread it, and they help us to share it with people but you who don't, may not. You don't, with people who okay. may not. Let me, ask let me interrupt you. Okay. Do you mind? Can I finish? Yes. <laughs> they, help, they help us to introduce it, uh, the concept of hip, healthy hip-hop in action, to people who might not be attracted to what's healthy uh, just off of instinct or just off because they feel like that's what they need. So, if you know, if you see um, uh, any other form of promotion or advertisement, somewhere in there there's a pretty face, whether it's a man or a woman. Usually somewhere in there there's something to allure you, something to draw you in, something mm -hmm. to make you feel attracted to whatever the concept is. And we've all seen it a million times where, um, the product or the service that's being sold has nothing to do with the beautiful model that's uh, thrown at you, but guaranteed you're going to watch based on that beauty that's thrown at you. So Queens of Paradise don't represent anything different except uh, somewhat 
of a uh, lure for people to be able to deal with us and, and, and do good business with us because um, sometimes that's what it takes. Other times, you know, they, they function on their own as an independent modeling team, and, you know, some of them start from nowhere, and they empower themselves and they build themselves up to do what they want to do and chase their dreams, whether it's modeling, fashion, uh, photography, so on and so forth. So it's, 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 it's a great concept, actually. But do you think that the people who might be – now, this is aside from the goals of the – QLP model team, and this has nothing to do with them personally, but do you think that those who might be attracted to your quote-unquote healthy hip-hop are legitimately attracted when they see or if they're at an event where the, the Queens of Paradise are there? Yeah, absolutely. I also I also think, um, you know, that that's, that's not something that I, I even have to, you know, take myself into as far as questioning, I let it do its own thing. I let it work for itself. You know, we don't we don't really we don't really um, well. I don't myself. I don't put too much um, power into you know the hypotheticals of what other people might or might not do and what they you know. We just do what our job is, what our purpose is, and everything else is supposed to fall in place. Okay, but is promote healthy without? Excuse me. Isn't a part of what healthy hip-hop. I don't know what you mean. Healthy hip-hop. That is your brand of hip-hop. And what do you ask? So if we talk about now, I'm not going to, I don't even want to get into any of the, you know, again, I think the question that this student posed um, illustrated all the elements that could be potentially um, in conflict with the idea of healthy hip-hop, but no. do you think that a highly sexualized way of promoting hip-hop is the way to utilize it as a per, as a, a tool to promote social change? I think sex is healthy. I think sexual information is healthy. Okay. I think uh, proper guidance um, for females, for males, uh, in regards to sexuality is healthy. So if it starts the conversation, then it's healthy. Then it, it could create a healthy conversation. Does it? Absolutely, often. Really? Explain. Often. Explain. Well... If you don't mind. Up, no, I don't mind at all. It's up to us to um, be able to make these definitions and draw these conclusions ourselves um, as individuals and as adults, as parents. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so what's, what's, what's one thing for me as, as, as a defining truth, it might not be the same for some single mother who might be looking at uh, Feed by Fidel for one thing and then, you know, sees Queens of Paradise as another thing. So that's what I mean. Like when I say I don't want to, I don't, I don't myself get into the hypotheticals about what other people might think or what they might feel. I just know that um, for what we represent and for what we do, that's a very valuable component in spreading the brand of healthy hip hop, and also, um, and also a collective, a collective. Okay. I interrupt a lot. I know. But you, you interrupt a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but my question, 
I guess, based on what you said, is that business or is it your mission? Well, or, both. My my mission is business oriented. Well, you know. I think that when I think about healthy hip hop and I think I asked you what healthy hip hop was, like well, okay, but do you think that the I the that the the sexualized component of some of what you promote here in Milwaukee is more business oriented is or is it more mission oriented? I don't understand the separation. Well, you know, I think that, well, maybe we can address that question when we get to further questions. But I think that there may be a difference between business and mission. Because what people say that their mission is often differs from what they purport to be their mission. Oh. So, well, no, you know, I don't, I don't, any organization, their mission statement may be very different from the actions that they take to achieve that mission. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So maybe we'll save that, but thank you for that question because I know that that's probably not a question that you really like to answer, but... No, i love to answer it, and actually I'm, I'm, I'm going to share some of my... Uh, okay. People that that's joined us on the web chat actually divine life a lot. He spoke to something very potent. Um, listening to us, he said in okay. the Jewish religion they practice sexuality to turn flesh into a higher form, like Jesus did. They said uh, <laughs> he said he said hating is not healthy, and um, he said you sound cute and to be positive. It's not about hating because I don't think that's it. But I think that it's we're so bombarded with sexuality and mainstream hip hop. If you turn on BET, MCV, VH1, you see sex. Period. And that is the stereotype that white people have of hip hop in contemporary context. And so, from from an instructor who is teaching black reality and attempting to subvert negative stereotypes. It's very difficult for me to do so when I'm seeing local hip hop artists who I respect and I and, and again, I am a cheerleader for hip hop in a very generic term. Um, but it's very difficult for me to 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 um promote it and to defend it when I think that we are just conforming to a business white capitalist model of what hip hop is. You understand that? It has right. nothing to do with hating. Because to be quite honest, I've been at some of the events and I have no problem with what I see. I have no and this has nothing to do with, with the QOP model team personally because I think they're all great, wonderful girls, but the reality is that it means it means something that that that's a part of your business venture. It means something. Of course, yes. it should mean something. Yeah, I have a, I have a I have a great umbrella of business ventures that complement our social mission. And when I say complement, I mean they're all one. They're all one. 
we don't separate what we do in business versus what we do in the community per se. Other okay. people can separate it. Other people can say, well, this is Queens of Paradise and this is Viva Fidel. That's over-sexuality and that's healthy hip-hop. The people going to do what the people going to do anyway. But my job is is to make sure the mission moves forward. And I don't, I don't, really, uh, I don't really think that it's worth us um, spending a gang of time um, dissecting what, like I said, what other people might see and why I feel. Because if I go into the stereotypes of what I think about certain people and what I think about certain things in culture or in American society and so on and so forth, I mean, that's all just based on perception. So some people I know. are educated. Yeah are educated on sexuality, are educated on spirituality in, in, in relation to sexuality to not be moved one way or the other. Some people are, are uh, educated business-wise enough to understand mission-wise what's going on. They may not be moved. So, you know, sometimes it's, it's, that's, again, circumstantial based on what one person might feel versus where another person might be at in a life. I totally feel what you're saying, but I think that, the stereotypes, and again, this is something different, and this is something that we may have talked about at a different time and a different show, but I think that the stereotypes about black people in general are highly sexualized. And if we even look back at cartoons... I don't think that that's a problem. I don't think that that's a problem. I think it's also, a problem when we, when, we, when we use those stereotypes, and I'm not talking about we as you and us, but when I talk about we as leader, political leaders and people in power who use those stereotypes to enact policies, and I'm talking about people like, like, and I don't want to get too political here, but people who use those stereotypes to inform their decisions on political and institutional policies. That's a choice. If those people happen to be that okay. goddamn narrow-minded if they happen okay. to be that goddamn shallow and, and, and stuck <laughs> on it, then that's not on me. I'm not going to okay, adjust no. what I do and talk around me, cater into a hypothetical about what somebody might do based on a stereotype. That's what you're talking about. Okay. That's, not, that's not our job. That's not what we do. So the bottom line is that you are attempting to open your concept of healthy hip-hop to people who might not be... To the sick, to the walking dead. To the to okay. the to the people who are hurting and suffering and who need it the most and who sometimes don't even know okay. that they're hurting and suffering and that they okay. need some sort of um, balance in their diet. You understand? Okay. Yes. Some I people see. walking around and they may be, uh, you know, they may have an eating disorder or they may have an eating dysfunction and they think it's normal. So you know, it's the same concept. We put it out here for the masses. It's not just for the intellectuals. It's not just for the health connoisseurs. Okay. I feel you. I feel you. Okay. I appreciate that question from um, from the young lady, too. Can we take some questions from my uh, callers? we got a couple calling. I want to yeah. get my brother, I'm a Gideon, on the line because okay. he, could, he could definitely speak to <laughs> the uh, – <laughs> the Queens of the Paradise. The models, and, okay. And the purpose. And, you know, we, like I said, we don't spend too much time talking about, you know, okay. the hypothetical. No, I think it's important. I think it's important, though. But I don't yeah, know. I, I, think sometimes, I think sometimes the, the, the rhetoric that gets uh, placed in our conversations in regard to 
black people and like sexuality are the are circumstantial and are in response and in reflection of shit that ain't got nothing to do with us. Just like the N word. Huh? Can you answer that question? Just like the N word, is that what you said? Just just like the N word. Just like the N word. Okay. We get caught up in a circumstantial, responsive <laughs> and a reflective conversation about stuff that ain't got nothing to do with us. Okay. All right. But we can we can get into that if some of your questions I mean if some of your students want to get into that, then we can get into that. Well, of course. But let's take a caller. Let's take let's take your brother. All right, so I'm um well Armageddon, he just hung up. We'll see if he called back in. Okay, All I think right. I got him on the line now. Hold on. Okay. Yo, get Yo, yo. You there? Uh, yeah, what's happening? Can you hear me? Peace, what up, brother? Peace and love to everybody out there on Blog Talk Radio. So you listening in? Yeah, man, I am. I just turned out my speakers. This is the coolest shit. <laughs> so as you know, you know, the Queens of Paradise represent um, for us sometimes a hint of controversy from people who look at our healthy hip-hop um, revolutionary mission in action in terms of what we do in the community, what we do with the youth, and sometimes they perceive what we do uh, on an adult entertainment level um, as a contradictory um, statement. So... That was a question that came up, and one of her students uh, asked, was that a, 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 a proper thing to be put in parallel with healthy hip-hop? Well, I think, you know, to understand it correctly, you got to understand the origins of where we came from, you know, mm-hmm. with the Queens of Paradise model team. You know, I started the Queens of Paradise model team um, almost about eight years ago, and the reason we started is because, through our marketing promotion company, Gorilla Promotions, we saw a need from our clients, a need for urban models that mm-hmm. didn't fit the traditional image yeah. of fashion and beauty, which is usually yeah. tall, skinny, white girls. So what we did is we, you know, we provided opportunity for area models, aspiring models that were interested in exploring, you know, the professional fashion world. Uh, one thing, you know, that's important to remember is when I started this company eight years ago, there was no outlets for models that didn't fit that traditional image, not one outlet out there for black models who weren't tall, skinny, blonde, whatever the case may be. So we provided a a unique opportunity. Right. We provided a unique opportunity for these girls who are interested in modeling were also interested in having a good, positive, professional experience in the business. And a support team. It's a very um, male-dominated business. Yes. A lot of women go through a lot, of, a lot, a lot of hardships just to become models. So, what we try to give them is a professional experience where they can train as professionals, prepare as professionals, and get ready for the professional world. Now, what happened in doing that is that what we found is that by giving the Queens of Paradise a standard to live by and to um, to work by a work ethic that includes respecting each other as queens, that includes working together in a sisterhood kind of fashion, that we've been able to help young women with their self-esteem. We've been able to help young women um, learn to respect one another. We've been able to give um, women a new idea of how women should work together. Now, does it take a man to pull women together and do that? I don't think so. No. But in a city like Milwaukee, where you have this crabs in the bucket syndrome, where everybody's kind of pitted against yes. each other, one reason being that there is no industry in a city that's striving, and um, or should I say, starving for an industry. So everybody's kind of scraping, you know, the bottom of the barrel. Well, we've got an example of 
dozens of women who work together in harmony, and it's like no other. You know, girls come to our organization, and they see what we do, and, and they're blown away. They're surprised by our unity and our, um, our consistency. So, you know, it's um, it's been more than just a model team. It's kind of been like a sorority or sisterhood ladies in this area that really want a positive experience in the business. Now, how that really up, I mean, modeling and entertainment really, you know, it's a lot. It's, it's very much the same. You know, a model, in order to become the best at what she does, she has to hone her craft. In order to um, gain some um, opportunities and exposure, she has to build a fan base. Same as a rapper. You know what I'm saying? They have to practice. They have to start to build their fan base. They have to know how and promote themselves. We give them those tools to do that. And, um, and back to knowing where we came from, the reason we called it the Queens of Paradise is because I wanted to create an organization that will stand aside from the normal TNA that you see in urban modeling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The normal clothes-off, ass shots, you know, those kind of things. I wanted to provide something different, a new okay. image. And you know what? I totally understand and appreciate what you're saying because, as I mentioned in the intro to the class that I teach, that colorism and traditional stereotypes of female beauty is something that we address in this class. And that is something that I appreciate about the concept of the Queens of Paradise is that it does not conform to these traditional Eurocentric ideals of what is beautiful. However, it still tits and ass. I can say that. Um, well, so, but that's and it's still economic development, okay. right? And you know, if you look at if you look at our website and our, our company sites, when we promote the models, it's, it's much more than tits and ass. No, I I know that. I know that. So so you know, for the record, it's like um, it's more about you know giving these models a good positive experience in okay. a city where there is no market or opportunity for. You know, girls like that, and and it really just goes hand in hand. You know, the okay. models um, promote and respect what artists like Taysom C's do because right. well, our music is positive. They can play their yes, music driving to the grocery store with their kids in yep. the car. You know what I'm saying? They yep. they can you know they can appreciate their kids looking up to us. Well, I'm glad you, know, you called in, Hamagidian, because you you shows you better than me because I'll go into the economics of it. I go into the support of it. And other than that, you know, we we have a we have a duty to, to to be able to promote and bring what we're doing to as many people as possible, and that's just a, a small part of it. So believe me when I tell you, some people who look at that in a critical way, they might not even spend the time to critique anything else that we're dealing with except that. But that will lead to everything else. So it's up to the person who's viewing it or who comes across it to not be narrow and not be stagnant in their own understanding and be able to See, say, okay, well, what's this about? And let me find thing. out for myself and not just you know, judge it based on the that, that That has a lot to do, I think, you know, with, like, the conservative mindset of Wisconsinites, you know what I'm saying? Like, because you go to other cities, other big metropolitan areas, you see people Absolutely. doing these kind of things. The ladies aren't labeled as whores and, and hookers, you know what I'm saying? They're basically and that's, that's, a, that's a female thing, too. But females when you females do, it, do that to other females. No, well, you know what? I, something I have to say is that I I am a big supporter of Taste MCs and 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 believe in what you guys do. And again, you know, obviously by the way in which I've I've included this into the college course that I teach, I feel that it's very important. 
um, my experience in observing the Queens of Paradise models is that they're good girls and that they are a part of what you do. However, I think that when we think about the stereotypical images of hip-hop, it conforms to that. And I think that that's what the question was based upon. Not yeah, I understand, I understand that. And I understand, I understand the perception and the general perception of how some people are led by stereotypes. And that's my point. Right. Don't be led by the stereotypes. Take a second to go a little deeper and find out. You know what I mean? And we'll crush the stereotypes. Guaranteed. Yeah, okay. for real. You know, I, I just want to um, basically offer a chance for anybody out there that's interested in learning more about what we do to log on to QOPmodels.com. Also, you can come down to Timbuktu on Wednesday nights. You can meet and greet some of the models. You can speak to them yourself. You can apply in person. All the models we accept are 18 and up, you know, so if you're an adult and you're serious about modeling, maybe we can help you get to the next level. And I will say that they are very respectful, nice, kind ladies that – do not necessarily conform to the stereotypes that other people. Maybe we can, um, you know, arrange that later. Get where we can put, you know, pull some of the sisters in, bring some of the queens online, let them, you know, explain what it is for their own self. Well, listen, you got a couple other queens listening right now, so right. don't be okay. surprised if they call in. They probably listening okay. right now. That's okay. good. I, I, let me go off the live call in number one more time for everybody that's tuning in. <laughs> Peace out to everybody that's on the chat line. Really appreciate you tuning in to the Blog Talk Radio. Queens of Paradise is a hot topic. That's because they hot. Yeah. And we don't have no problems. We won't make no apologies about that. They hot. And I want, and and, and again, let me just say that this question was not in, not the Queens of Paradise, but I think that there is a distinction between the notion of healthy hip-hop and the entrance of hip-hop into the XXX world, which which from a... If you just take a look at the MySpace pages and the website, the Queens of Paradise could be construed and conceptualized as just this element of, okay, sex sells. So yep, and once again, I'm going to stop you. Our job ain't to cater to everybody else's hypotheticals. The live no. listeners dial in number. Let me get a listeners the number just in case <laughs> they want to add in on the conversation. 347-324-3221. 347 is the area code 324 Three two two one, or you can log on to blogtalkradio.com slash bivafidel. Hey, I'm I'm signing out, man. I'm I'm a listener, no doubt. I'll keep listening. Shout out to everybody out there. Hey, appreciate it, bro. We'll make that happen. Yeah. All right. So, you ready for the next question? Yeah, let's let's get into some music. Can we rock the war going on song? And um. Okay. Well, let me skip over some questions and um. Okay, now, first of all, the next two questions that I'm going to ask you um, are about the song War Going On, which is the second que- the second song that I had my que- my students answer or ask you questions about. Um, and so after I read the two questions, and after I read the two questions to you, you might, well, actually, before I even read the questions, you might want to play War Going On because many of the students who listen to War Going On have questions about what this war is, how you conceptualize this war, and what these two sides that you talk about are all about. So I think you should play War Going On right now, and I'll um, ask you these questions. Okay. So, um, war Going On. 
Okay, yeah, we're drop war going on. I got my brother, Divine Life, all the way from Japan checking in. We're going to holler at him once we get back from this song. It's Worldwide Viva Fidel International Revolutionary Radio exposing the revolution in action. This song called War Going On is produced by analysts. That's your man on McGideon, Milwaukee's voice, chilling with the hardest working DJs in the business, the record breakers. outcome. Your song alludes to a positive outcome. 
can you elaborate on the importance of quote unquote choose your side? And this is my statement. Um, you might want to talk a little bit more about the message behind what's going on, and because um, I think because first of all, there were many questions that students had about what the war represents and what the sides mean and if it's about division or unity or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, if you want to elaborate a little bit more on that. Um, well, first of all, peace. What up, D-Life? Peace. What's cracking, bruh? How you doing, Lord? Good to hear your voice, man. <laughs> you know I'm out in this Japan living this Saitama survive. Yeah, he all the way out east, bro. So you heard the question about the war going on. You heard the song called War Going On. You want to speak to about choosing your sides and, and what's, what's relevant about that? Well, as far as how I see that, you know what I'm saying, it's like for the young lady who's asking the question, you know, is numerous sides of things to deal with. You got positivity, negativity, and neutral shit, you know. And as far as what the brother's saying, it's a war going on outside, choose your side, you know. It's as simple as it says. It's like the English language, words have meanings. They got exact meanings according yep. to how you use them, you know what I'm saying. And it's giving you all the information that you need right there. It's saying it's a war going on outside, choose your side. If you go outside and you see it's a war going on and it's side to join, it's one side fighting against the other, you understand. What do they and, and, and you said it perfectly right when you said it's positive and it's negative. It's good and it's evil. It's life and it's death. And that's exactly the war I was talking about. I was talking about the war between good and evil, the, the war between righteousness, righteousness and devilishment. That's what we're dealing with in our world today, real time, right. real life. When we step outside, that's what we're dealing with. When we go to school, that's what we have to deal with. When we go yeah. to work, that's what we have to deal with. Are we on the side of hatred? Or do we want to spread love? Okay, so those are the sides that you're talking about. That's right. Hatred, love. Good over evil, hatred over love, God over the devil. That's right. Okay. And choose your side. It's very, very upfront and it's very real because if people can't choose their side openly and, and admit and acknowledge that there is a war going on, right. then mm -hmm. that's their own issue. Exactly. And they're going to have to get caught up in the crossfire because it's real and it's going down. What's the war? I mean, you know, what is a war? What do you think a war? What is a war what exactly? I know what the war is, but I'm <laughs> All of your students know what a war is. They know what a war is. America is at war right now. That's right. They know we got war. First of all, you've got to reserve your judgments about what you know and understand that this is an introductory class about black reality and that this is the first opportunity that many students have had to open their minds to a reality other than what is presented to them as white people in the United States. And so how, old, how old are your students? They are from 18 to probably maybe. They're, they're most of them are traditional college students. But not well, they, all of them are Milwaukee. If, if they've grown... They know no, what's no, going no, on. No, 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 no. All of them are from Milwaukee, and that's something that you have to understand. And for many people, this is their first opportunity to even think about reality from a perspective. And to think about choosing a side. You're absolutely right. Exactly. Yeah. And so and it's that's not why obvious. I, it's obvious to me. No, no, no. I understand exactly who, your this point. This is my mission. It's obvious to me, but it is not obvious to everybody. And I so while to you and to maybe some of your listeners who are, Hit to what you're talking about, 
it's obvious. But to my students, it's not obvious. What okay. is the word that we're talking about? Okay, so let me explain a little bit for those who might, it might not be as obvious, okay? We were all taught when we were very young what right and wrong was yep. and is. We were all taught what the difference between treating people how you want to be treated and treating them otherwise. We were all taught that at a very young age. Mm-hmm. So now the principles of what I'm talking about on a war going on, choose your side, I'm talking about on the daily, we're all faced with um, the the tools of war, usually through the propaganda of the media, through yep. the brainwashing tools of our education system, and yep. through the enslavement tools of our religious system. And so those are the war tools that are being pushed at the people um, on a daily basis. And now most of uh, us as, as adults, we are aware of, say, for example, a great presidential election of our time going on today. Oh, which speaks directly to the war that's going on in the minds and in the hearts of right. American people and people all over the world. The war that's going on, for those who might not be familiar and might want to get quick catch up, because I'm getting pin in effect, like Professor Grush said, go get a late pass. Um, yeah. if, if, you, if you need to catch up, I would just suggest that you realize and understand, based on the climate of today, that you have to choose your side of, do you want to be on the side of, Life or death? Do you want to be on the side right. of good or evil? And, I mean, okay. you can really, literally take it to that basic level. Do you want to do positive in your life and to your fellow humans, or you, you want to be negative and have a negative effect on humanity? And so, right, and everybody know that. My two-year-old son know that. Your two-year-old son knows that. And, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's, that's, that's something that coming from a very I'm, different reality than many of my students are, though. I wanted, I wanted to tap into that basic human instinct with that song, and I think that's why a lot of your students reacted to that song. Even though they might not know where I'm coming from or have an understanding about what war I'm talking about, they are drawn into that song because the concept is very basic and it's very instinctual. You choose your side and you decide whether you want to do what's right or you want to do what's wrong, whether you want to teach what's right or teach what's wrong. Do you want to stay where you're at or do you want to grow? And yep. I, think, I think that's a good a good analogy uh, across the board for a lot of your students and where they at right now because the war is against them as well. They're all right. in the war. They're all yeah, and they the not war. they not they not ignorant. They might just no. be be wild or whatever because they situation. Like the brother said earlier, individuals are victims of circumstance, yes. and a lot of individuals might react based on not having money and not having things and just react. Oh shit! Without possibly thinking about it first and but foremost, and a lot of a lot of But I also think that we have to think about people who have never had an experience of black people outside of their own small communities from wherever. I would ask them to study that song. I would ask them to study my music, DivaFidelOnline.com. You can reach it at MySpace.com backslash DivaFidel. I got free mixtapes. I got movies, videos. It's an inside look inside of the black reality. So, Fidel, are you willing to come and speak to my class? Say it again. About these realities. One more time. Are you willing to come and speak to my class about these realities? Absolutely. I'm willing to come to speak to the class and further this conversation right here because I think it's important um, for everybody because it's a learning process for everybody. Okay. Because if I can learn more about where some of your students might be, then I can learn more about how to effectively communicate to them through my music. 
Exactly. Okay. So can I get on to the next question? And yeah, we're probably running sure. out of time. All right. Yeah, we got about five minutes left. Um, but let's go. Okay. What key aspect is missing from the hip hop movement, preventing it from achieving some of its goals, such as improving urban education, improving the criminal justice system, and reducing the prejudices against hip hoppers? So, what, so what aspect is missing from the hip hop movement, hip hop generation, preventing it from achieving its goals? I don't know. Um, somewhere in that question, I think, lies the answer of the simple fact that hip hop is not within that same system of everything that was mentioned. Hip-hop is something else outside of that. So we're not necessarily um, changing the educational system. We're creating right. our own educational system. Okay. Right. You understand? We're not necessarily okay. trying to uh, change something that's already rotten to death. Hip-hop is actually a birth of something new okay. and something great right. that actually has now, you know, now hip-hop is being used in the schools as what it is. We're being used with for everything. Well, yeah, and it's and I can argue that positive and negative, but yeah. I mean, it's okay. being it's being manipulated because of the power that it has. You understand to control well, people's minds. The power is who control it. I mean, it's that's on a small scale because the industries that's a small percentage. Like people tell me, like I make music. You know what I'm saying? I'm from Milwaukee. I'm in Japan right now. I make music. I've been to California doing music for years. I've got groups of men, societies I deal with worldwide, and individuals who I deal with every day who are legend MCs type shit be saying things to me like, man, I don't like, like hip-hop no more because yeah. it ain't nothing good. But if you're talking about shit that's on the radio or on MTV or BET, that's a very, very small percentage of hip-hop music. And that's actually, you know what I'm saying, it's not even really what it is because I know all type of movements of individuals who really do it, who do this for real. But the reality is that we need is that what they see on MTV and BET and VH1 that is hip-hop to them. We, so, we, so, so the real hip-hop needs support. So yes, I got exactly. CDs on for sale. I got CDs for sale. Fidel got CDs for sale. I know a lot of people who got CDs for sale. Can I get somebody to buy my CDs? You know what I'm saying? I got like 10 or 20 MySpace pages. I'm selling songs on Snowcap. You know what I'm saying? Doing all type of things. Plug your know sites right quick, Divine. Like somebody want to hear some of your music. Somebody want to purchase some of your beats. Oh, if you need beats, you can holler at me at, you can go to myspace.com slash Divine Life Greatest Hits and email me on there, all the proper spelling, or Divine Life Music, all the proper spelling. You know what I'm saying? Or you can go to Divine Life Clothing Collections. I got clothing line, too, you know what I'm saying? Holler at me. I got so that's what we're doing. We're exposing the revolution in action. And a lot of the students, if they want something more, they got to dig deeper. If they want something more, they got to dig deeper. And that's their own personal responsibility. We can't necessarily hold the devil networks responsible. We can't hold the devil media conglomerates responsible. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Now, it's up to us as the students as the researchers, as the modern-day educators and parents, it's up to us to dig deeper. And we don't have to yeah. sit around questioning what the devil is doing. 
Right. If we know what we're supposed to be doing. Right. I got, lovely lady, I got like 10 projects you can buy right now if you want to support me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm really giving it back to the people. Right. And and, and that's, the, that's the whole message behind plugging on the revolutionary VBOXYDALBLOGTALKRADIO.COM show period. A lot of people are really trying to expose more to the audience. People don't know about the simple fact that hip-hop is being shared on this level in a university. So that crushes those stereotypes right there. That yeah, crushes right. anything that's going on on MTV or BET that's denigration to our culture or to our kids or to our women. This conversation, you doing what you're doing in the universities. So that's what our job is, is to expose the revolution in action. My brother's, like he said, he, he has music and works with different networks from all across the world. But it's up to people, and now it's, now it's being made available through the Internet and the World Wide Web and blogtalkradio.com slash Fidel. We can find all these things. There's no excuses no more. It's just like no. you can go right. on YouTube and you can find uh, lessons about the Council of Nicaea that created Jesus Christ. There's no you can go, you you can can go on YouTube and search Ivan Van Sertima. They stuck on the surface yeah. and eat McDonald's and Cheetos. That's on you. Right. If you want to eat McDonald's and Cheetos 24-7, that's on you. But Because you know, it'd be a big lack of support from a lot of these people that talk all this about, oh, rap is bad and it promotes all this and that, but it'd be a big lack of support from them exact people for the individuals who really be promoting a positive message. But you know what? A lot of people don't understand that there is a positive message, and that's a part of my... I'm saying the people who who do know. I'm saying the actual people who do know. I'm talking about, but I'm talk, but I'm talking about exactly the people who do know. It'd be a big lack of support. We have to talk about the people that we don't, who don't, because no, nah, it's, it's about the people that do. Because if the individuals, it's like this. You know what I'm saying? If I'm promoting all positivity and individuals know about that, you know what right. I'm saying? And they support me. That's gonna grow. Who it's promotes gonna, that? It's gonna though? expand. Who promotes that? I promote it. You promote it, but what I'm I got like, I'm just saying. So what I'm, do you understand what I'm saying? I it's like, for example, if, if you support me and your friends support me and your her friends support me or his friends support me and they support me, if y'all are really about this real movement, you know what I'm saying, if individuals support me, then that movement that I'm dealing with is going to grow. And Let's be within real. five years, it's like, for example, Google, you know, Google.com? Yeah. The the individuals who the two individuals who started that company, you know what I'm saying? They went to Harvard. They dropped out of Harvard, and they were both 25 years old. By the time they were 30 and no 31 and 32, they both had over 18 billion dollars. You know what I'm saying? That's because individuals around them, they support group supported them. If you have a mental illness, you go to a mental hospital to fix a mental illness. They'll tell you you need a support group. Know what I'm saying? It's what like I'm called unity. It's like unification. Culture does not provide that support group. I mean, US you don't like the bro just said. Don't worry about popular culture. Worry about no, yourself. It's like no, no, you no, need no, to no, worry no, about no, what no. internally. It's like you need to worry about your internal organs. I study martial okay. arts, qigong, all type of shit. Know what I'm saying? No. You gotta worry about internal. You worrying about like why worry about outer space when you gotta so deal with this the inner space? Teaching irrelevant. Is it is the college the class, class the class is not the class is not irrelevant because it's a small it's a small percentage of the total population. But if you know what I'm saying, affect 
individuals in that small percentage, they right. can all go out individually and spread that. That's it's point. called unity. Unity. That's my point. Unity. That's, that's the same thing I'm saying. We're going to have to shut this conversation down. The show is about to end. Yeah, and I just spent like $100. I just spent like $100 on this phone call. Appreciate you calling in. All time. All love. And Dr. Townsend, we will continue this conversation. We might have to schedule a part two. If it's necessary for your class, we definitely will do that. Yeah, we need to. Okay. And I'll get in touch with you, and we can figure it out actually very soon. And yeah. we continue the conversation. It's powerful, and I appreciate it. And I thank all thank the people. Thank you. Who I appreciate it. Thank all the callers. I'll be in touch with you, okay? Okay. One love. I'm going to hit you, Rhett. All right, Lord. Peace. 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 <laughs>